Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley, and I've kicked John Keeley out of the presenter's chair this morning, but he's still here in studio. Good morning, John. Thank you very much indeed, and good morning, Lorraine, and good morning, listeners. And we're also delighted to have Father Michal Liston back from Madrid with us this morning. Good morning, Father. Yeah, glad to be back, safe and sound. Great. And we are also joined this morning by our Eastern correspondent, Shane Ambrose. Good morning, Shane. (laughs) Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Shane. (laughs) How are you all this morning? We're good. Very good. Shane, a little apology maybe in the offing. Did I say something that might have offended you last week? Did somebody say that I sacked you or something? I didn't oh, there were some rumours, but I'm sure it was all gross exaggeration. You know me now, pal. I wouldn't do that. All is forgiven and back to, back to work. Okay. Excellent. A very special welcome to those listening on radio at home who maybe for one reason or another might be ill or housebound today. You're very welcome. Welcome also to those who are listening to us while travelling and we wish you a safe journey. Comments about the programme would be most welcome. Better still, we'd love to hear your suggestions or even contributions uh, you'd like to make for the development of the programme. Listeners can contact the station here during the week at 69 or you can write to us at Sacred Space, West Limerick 102 Radio, Sheehan's Road, Newcastle West. Or you can email John at sacredspace102 at gmail.com. If you'd like to catch this programme again, it's repeated on Thursday nights from 10.30pm to 11.30pm, so tell all your friends. And our podcast of this programme will be available on our blog, which is sacredspace102.blogspot.com. How's our blog doing, Shane? It's not doing too bad now, Lorraine. Uh, we've had a couple of... It's been busy this week because I've been trying to catch up on all the World Youth Day stuff. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, of course, over the next couple of weeks, uh, Western Mick, or Sacred Space 102, we are proposing to talk to, to, talk to our listeners uh, about the new missile that's coming in in November. Mm-hmm. So we've been making some preparations on the blog in relation to that as well. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. We have a very special programme today. Um, In the first part of the programme, we're going to hear an interview with Father Martin Smith, who's going to tell us all about the shrine to Julian of Norwich in Norfolk in the UK. And then we'll also have our usual reading of the Gospel. Shane might lead us through our celestial guides for the coming week. We'll have some reflections and some notices and some music. But as we do each week at the start of the programme, we light a candle to remind us that we are all joined together in this sacred time. Whether we're driving or resting or listening in distant places, we begin our program, as we always do, by bringing ourselves in prayer before God. Perhaps we know someone who's ill at this time, or is worried, or is in trouble, or bereaved. We bring them to God now. Perhaps we would like to thank God for the many gifts and graces that he has given us. Let us bring our thanks to God. So before we take a little bit of music to make our own personal prayers to God, let's unite ourselves with Jesus once again this morning. So I'm going to ask John, if it's okay, to lead us in our prayer for spiritual communion, and then we'll take a little piece of music. Thanks, Lorraine. Of course, the best way to receive Christ is in Holy Communion at Mass. Yet for those times that you can't make Mass, you can still reach out to him by making a spiritual communion in prayer. And the spiritual communion prayer we pray every week is, My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. 
Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. So we're going to take a piece of music. It's based on Psalm 131 and it's called Come to the Quiet by John Michael Talbot. Let's have a listen to this.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley and joining me in the studio this morning are John Keeley, Father Michal Liston and joining us as well is Shane Ambrose. John, I believe you have a very interesting um, interview this morning to share with us. Yes, uh, listeners might remember last year I did play an interview that um, I, I made in a lady of Walshikram's shrine. And, but whilst there over in Norfolk in England, I decided to, to just go up the road a little bit and visit a place called Norwich. I wanted to find out about uh, this person, Julian of Norwich. So I found, I found the place, uh, a nice little shrine. Uh, we stayed there the night, and uh, actually I, I stayed in a convent. Uh, the first I've ever stayed in a convent. It was, <laughs> it was run by, actually by one nun. She's, um, she's a, a Church of England uh, nun. Uh, from the community of All Hallows. So, if Sister Pamela is listening, good morning, Sister Pam. Thank you very much indeed for the hospitality. Uh, but um, hopefully now you might be able to um, glean something from this. It's, it's a very interesting interview. Father Martin Smith, actually. Good morning again. My name is John Keeley. Uh, welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. Um, again, I'm off on my travels again. Uh, this time I'm in Norfolk in, in the UK. Uh, in a lovely place called Norwich and uh, I happened to come across a shrine uh, which people might have heard about um, the shrine of Julian of Norwich and I'm joined today by Father Martin Smith and uh, Father Martin here is going to fill us in with some of the history and the settings etc etc of Julian of Norwich so uh, Father Martin good morning good morning and thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, you're speaking out to the people in West Limerick uh, in, uh, in the southwest of Ireland, some of whom might have heard of Julian Norwich. Well, I feel confident you're going to fill us in anyway in any little details we don't know. I'll do my best. Maybe just starting off, Father. Um, Julian of Norwich, when, when was she about and, and what's she all about? Well, we know almost nothing about her except from what we can get from her writings. We first hear of her... In about 1373, she was a very holy woman, um, a young girl of about 30, and she prayed that she might have a near-death experience because she believed the closest you could get to God in this life was at the moment of death. So she wanted to try and experience that. And on the 8th of May, 1373, she was terribly ill and they sent for the priest and gave her the last rites. Mm -hmm. The family said their farewells. She went to bed, and nobody expected to see her in the morning. Mm. Alive, that is. Yes. But during the course of the night, she had 15, 16 visions. And these were visions given her by God, and um, they were based on the passion and death of Jesus. And in these visions... God showed her how much he loved the world and his creation, how much he loved the people on earth, and he loved them so much that he gave his son to die on the cross to save them. And this is how Jesus showed the depth of his love for those people. Well, after that, she decided that she really had to give her life totally to God. 
Mm -hmm. um, Norwich in those days was actually the second most important city in England after London. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to believe it now. It's like a, a country town. Yes. Really. But it was, in those days it was really busy mm -hmm. and there were 53 medieval churches in the city. Wow. It was really wealthy and in those days if you wanted to show your wealth um, you built a church. So the place is littered with churches, and every religious community had a house in the church, in, in the city. Yes. So Julian could have become a nun, and there was a really big Benedictine abbey just around the corner mm -hmm. from here mm -hmm. called Carrow Abbey, yes. which is now the site of Norwich City football ground. Uh, so she oh, could have yes. become... Okay. You've heard of that? Yes, I have, yeah. The Canaries. Yeah. The Canaries, that's, that's it. The, the, yeah, the guys in yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she could have become a nun. Okay. But um, in medieval England, there was something else that women were able to do, and that was to become what was called an anchoress. Okay. Now, an anchoress was a sort of hermit. Um, when we talk of hermits, we usually think of them going off into the desert, into forests and yeah. mountains, mm -hmm. to get away from it all. Mm -hmm. They felt they could get closer to God by having no contact with the world. Mm -hmm. But an anchoress was a bit different. Although they lived a solitary life, it was not shut away from the world, but wham-bang in the middle of it. Okay. And nearly all of these medieval churches in Norwich had a room or a cell attached to them where an anchoress could go and live. And it just so happened that the cell attached to this church, which is dedicated to St. Julian, Bishop of Le Mans in France, where the 24-hour car race now takes place. Okay. Um, the cell here was vacant. And this girl, whose name we don't know, came here and took residence in the cell and took her name from the saint of the church. Mm -hmm. um, and um, she became known as Mother Julian, the Lady Julian, or Dame Julian. Okay. 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 Um, she lived here for about 40 years, and um, she, when she died, um, she, she lived to about 70 years old, mm -hmm. which is incredibly old for a woman in those days when the average life of a woman was about 45. Mm -hmm. um, that's if they survived everything that was happening in England in those times, like the Black Death. Yes. So, yeah. she, so she, she lived to, um, to 70. Um, after she died, we hear very, very little of her at all. Um, the cell where she lived, the room where she lived, mm -hmm. um, didn't belong to the parish. It belonged to Carrow Abbey. And when Henry VIII started to do his worst in 1535, he pulled down the cell because it was a dependency of the Benedictine Abbey. And so there was nothing on the site of the cell there where Julian lived. And I believe, sorry, excuse me, no further, but I believe the cell had three windows, is that right? The cell had three windows. It was part of the anchoress's rule. Okay. She had three windows. One, so that she could look into church and see and hear the Mass being celebrated each day mm -hmm. and receive Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. The second window, looking out to a servant's quarters because she had some maid to look after her, to okay. do the chores, okay. do the washing up and the cleaning and what mm -hmm. have you. And another window looking out to the street, because this is where the anchoress came into her own, because 
as I said before, her life was not separated from the world, but mm. anchored mm. in it. Mm. And mm. to this third window, locals could come and seek her advice. And um, in those days, one didn't often talk to the parish clergy no. seeking advice because they were far, far too grand to talk to ordinary people. <laughs> yeah. um, they're not nice and attractive and yeah. easygoing like what we are now. Um, of course. <laughs> um, but at the dear yeah. Lady Julian, you see, yes, that was somebody yes. you could easily go to and took or complain about your husband getting drunk each uh, night yes. and what have you. So Julian was very important for the local people. They okay. could come and seek her spiritual advice. Mm -mm. And you mentioned, did you mention that she wrote a book? Wouldn't be too many women there would have written books, I would imagine. In well, it was the first book to be written by a woman in English. Wow. And... Um, and it is a beautiful book. And she, she explains these visions that she had. Mm. And she's writing the book for ordinary people, not for theologians. Yes, okay. It's, 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 it's That's local. Good. That's good. She, That's good. That's good. And, and, and some of her famous river sayings, I mean, one I think was, All shall be well? Yes, she says that all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well which is part of our great Christian hope, of course, that mm. we might go through all mm. sorts of nasty things in this life, but we live in the hope that mm. when we get to heaven eventually, we know all shall be well. Beautiful thought. But of course all things must come to an end, and, and, and she passed away. Did the, did, the, did the shrine, for want of a better word, still stay in existence until... Maybe Henry VIII, I think you just yep, touched on there. Yeah, there were anchoresses in the cell before Julian okay. and after. Okay. But it all came to an end in about 1530 okay. when Henry VIII started. Okay, and then what happened then with the Julian of Norwich message? Was that then suppressed for a number of years? I think it was almost totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, um, the church just continued to exist. Uh, nobody really knew anything of her writings, really, until the 19th century, okay. when a manuscript was found, um, and people started to read them and discover how full of good stuff they were and how they could be very helpful to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, do they recognise uh, her day, by the way? Is it the 8th of May, Father? 8th of May was the day she had her vision. Okay, so people still remember that particular... We have a festival here on the 8th of May when we have a, a lecture given by somebody very erudite and clever. That's a big word. What, That's anyway. a very clever. It means mm. very, very clever. Thank you very it much. It means that I it. don't understand a word of it. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a very clever lecture. Okay. And we have a lovely mass... Yeah. And we finish up with benediction of the Blessed Sacrament, which makes a nice end to the day. Okay, so obviously, uh, from the 19th century on then, so um, this site then began to develop a little bit further to where it is today. Well, no, it didn't, no? Okay. really. Um, the, the, the devotion to Julian didn't really catch on. Perhaps you can ask me in a moment why. Okay. Um, but uh, what happened... Uh, to, to this place mm. was that there was a very big air raid over Norwich in 1942. Okay. And th this church here was almost totally demolished, except for the altar and the tabernacle and the Riridos that was carved in Oberammergau. 
as I said earlier on, there were so many churches in Norwich yeah, that yeah, this yeah. this one was a bye-bye, no real need to, yes, yes. to have another one and have yes. a party instead, one yes. church less. Yes. But the message of Julian had caught on after the war okay. and it was decided to rebuild this church in as a sort of shrine church to Julian of Norwich, but still dedicated to St. Julian, Bishop of Le Mans. Okay. And um, in 1953, the church was rededicated. And that's really when the um, Julian devotion started here. Okay. Now, this, uh, this is an Anglican church. This is an Anglican church. Yes, there is a lot of devotion within the Catholic tradition and the Anglican tradition, but obviously this message has spread throughout Christianity. It has. I was inside the church there today and I just happened to notice in the visitor book people from the USA, people from yep. the Philippines. Yep. Uh, well, Julian was a Roman Catholic, of course, because mm. there's only one church in England. That's in right. Days, yeah. And we pray that there soon will be we'll only one God. church yes. in England. Yes, we'll have a God, uh, yes. And uh, it was very important, it's very important that this place is ecumenical, it's run by Anglicans, but it is ecumenical, and people of all Christian denominations are welcome to mm. come here. But when we do anything, it's yes. done in the Catholic tradition of the Church of England, because that's what we are. And I just happened to witness that um, just not too far from here um, in uh, Walshingham yesterday, and I was so surprised about of the similarity between the both traditions. Mm. Um, the, the Angelus was recited at 6 o'clock and then immediately followed by the Rosary. Yeah. And the session's the same. We have the Rosary here on a Monday morning after Mass. We have Mass at 10, mm -hmm. followed by the Rosary, um, led by lay people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. All that's good we do. All this good we do, and very well too. And of course, I must compliment you on the website. Um, oh, that's you. that's how I've just ended up being here because I just typed in Julian of Niles, wondering what I'd come up with, and um, very comprehensive, to, even down to the fact that even your weekly newsletter is on. The, and I did notice a, a few little snippets from it, and I saw your photograph and so on and so forth. Very good. Um, you do have uh, maybe, an, do you have an association or, or friends of Julian of Norwich? There's an organisation called the Friends of Julian of Norwich, okay. which is separate from the shrine. Okay. Um, it, they run a centre next door, which is a, a library, um, a souvenir shop, mm -hmm. and um, a, a place where we try and hold every piece of writing on Julian. Mm -hmm. And I suppose uh, the message maybe the people would want to know back home and maybe I'd like to know now, what message do you think Julian was bringing to us? Uh, she had certain revelations herself from the Lord, right? So uh, she wanted, to, obviously, to transmit them to us and that's why she wrote them down in a book, I assume. Yeah. Her, her, basic, her basic teaching mm -hmm. is that um, God is perfect love okay. and his love is unconditional. It doesn't require us to do anything in order to yes. have that love. Mm. It's there, and all we have to do is to accept it for ourselves. doesn't matter what we like, who we are, what we've done. That love is there, open, it's, isn't it? It's like Jesus on the cross with his arms out. Yes. He's welcoming mm. everybody mm. that chooses to come to him. Mm. 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 Maybe just to finish up uh, the interview, Father, I, I believe there's a St. Julian of Norwich prayer. Is that right? Would we, could we finish up with that? There is before but before that, that, 
can I just tell you okay. why she's not a saint? Tell me that. Because people get very confused okay. with Saint Julian, who's that chap up there above the sacristy door. Okay. And Mother Julian, or the Lady Julian, or okay. Dame Julian okay. of Norwich. Okay. Now, I think there are three reasons okay. why she's never been canonised. The first is that she says that there is no anger in God. That if God is perfect love, there is no place for God to be wrathful and vengeful okay. and angry. Okay. And of course, if you read your Old Testament, God goes a smiting every day. Does, yes, Anybody yes. who doesn't do what they're told gets... Yes, yes. that's it. <laughs> that's it. So yeah. that's slightly different from traditional teaching. Okay. She also says that we don't have to ask God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, that might seem a bit strange, um, particularly for people in the Catholic Anglican tradition, because nearly every time we go to a service, we have a confession of yes, sorts, yeah. an act of penitence, mm -hmm. and we're encouraged in our traditions to go to confession. Mm -hmm. um, she's, she, she went to confession, um, but she says we don't have to do all this because... We are a forgiven people. Hmm. That hmm. God has already forgiven us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's a bit of a nonsense. It's totally unnecessary mm -hmm. to say, please God forgive me, because I am yes, forgiven. Yes, yes, yes. And the third reason why she probably hasn't been canonised is that she does talk sometimes about God in the feminine gender. Oh, I see. She okay. talks about God as our mother. Okay. Now, that seems to me perfectly okay, because if God is perfect love, then all the sorts of love we know and experience must be included in God. Yes, God shows us a father's love. Uh -huh. God must also show us a mother's love, which is different from a father's love, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is different from our best friend's love, okay. which is yeah. different from our brother and sister's love, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is different from our husband and wife's love. Yes, yes. All yes. these loves must be included in the Godhead mm. if God is perfect love. Mm. So she says that sometimes when we have to talk about God as loving us like a mother does. Mm -hmm. Mm. But she does go one stage further. Okay. In that sometimes she talks about Jesus in the feminine gender uh, as our mother. Okay. And now that does sound yeah, a bit yeah, wobbly, yeah, doesn't it? Does, it, it, it does, it does. But let me it's tell you how she, how she does it. <laughs> okay. What she says is that our earthly mother feeds us with a little bit of herself for a little bit of our life. Okay. And when we're babies, she gives us milk from her breast. Mm -hmm. She says, but Jesus feeds us with the whole of himself for the whole of our life in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm -hmm. And so if we call that earthly woman, who feeds us with a little bit of herself for a little bit of our life, our mother, then Jesus, who feeds us with the whole of himself for the whole of our life, must be our true mother. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not saying that Jesus is feminine, and when she does this sort of thing, she always then follows it up with the male pronoun. Okay. That okay. Jesus, our true mother, feeds us with himself, yeah, okay. and does so most courteously in the Blessed Sacrament, the precious food of all true life. Isn't that beautiful? It is. 
But one can understand them, maybe why. You can understand why. I can, I can. I think there's some people that have a problem with that. <laughs> the Julian prayer. The, the Julian prayer. Please, Father, just to finish okay. up. Thank you. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant Julian showed the depth of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you very much indeed for your time um, taking to record the story, uh, the story for us here on West Limit 102 and Sacred Space, which we hope to play sometime later on during the year. We wish you best, uh, you all the best with your centre here, your website, of course, your continued success. But more especially, I suppose, for providing this, pay, uh, this place for people where they can come and rest and relax and get some peace. Thank you again. My pleasure. And every blessing to your listeners and your radio station. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a fascinating interview with Father Merton, John. We thoroughly enjoyed that. Yes, I thought it was different. Very different. Very different and enlightening. Excellent. Mm. So to follow on from the interview, we're going to have a piece of music called Amazing Grace, and it's sung by Hayley Westenra from the album Pure. Sacred Space 
on West Limerick 102. And welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley and joining me this morning are John Keeley, Father Michal Liston and Shane Ambrose. In this section of the programme, we're going to take a look, as we always do, at the Sunday Gospel. So before we have a look at the Gospel itself, John, would you like to lead us in the prayer, please? Okay, Lorraine. Pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, allies may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Michal, would you lead us in the Gospel, please? Jesus began to make it clear to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer grievously at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, to be put to death and to be raised up on the third day. Then, taking him aside, Peter started to remonstrate with him, Heaven preserve you, Lord, he said. This must not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle in my path. Because the way you think is not God's way, but man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. What then will a man gain if he wins the whole world and ruins his life? Or what is a man to offer in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and when he does, he will reward each one according to his behaviour. Thank you, Father Michal. Shane, we have another challenging gospel again this morning. Yeah, um, it's, 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 you kind of almost feel sorry for Peter, do you know that? Mm, mm. Um, mm. I have to say, Peter's one of my more... I suppose he's one of the characters from scripture that I kind of like and you can almost associate with. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this gospel and I was kind of thinking it was very much a Homer Simpson moment. It <laughs> <laughs> was kind of like, Duh. you know, it's mm. kind of like, you know, last week he's on the ball. He's, you know, he has, you know, made the confession of faith and as such, you know, because of his faith and the rock of his faith, uh, Christ has said to him, you know, you are Peter and you will be the rock. Mm-hmm. You know, and this week then he turns out and he blows it. Mm. and it's kind of almost like you know it's a great reminder I suppose that at the end of the day we're all human you know um, and it's, I suppose it's also a reminder that nobody is perfect except God himself mm-hmm. and that despite what people say or might think about any kind of a leadership role <clears throat> now I suppose because it's scripture and because it's to do with Peter we tend to think of it I suppose in terms of you know the church but, you know, the whole idea, of course, of Scripture and next year when we do it, like, like we do it on a, on a Sunday morning, is, well, how do we apply it to our daily lives? 
And I suppose looking at it, we see Peter is there. He's after you know being given a leadership role, and suddenly you know Christ turns around and says to them, "Listen, this is what is going to happen." And he presents to them a very different interpretation of what it means to be Messiah. You know, it kind of it goes against completely everything that was the Jewish expectation and understanding of a warrior king. Mm-hmm. Like, they were living in hope of the Messiah, and they thought that another David was going to arise. You know, he was going to fight as it was, you know, like, like David fought against the Philistines and the other invaders, that a warrior king would rise, out, uh, rise up and lead Israel again to be, you know, a power in the world. And instead of that, we have Christ presenting a very different image of what, he, what Messiah is going to be. Of course, the guys can't get their head around this at all. You know, being typical men, their you know their mind is on track on one 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 line, and they can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Peter kind of like they're like, "Come on, this is God happen. Come on, what are you talking about? You're you're mad." And you know, Jesus kind of reacts. I suppose for us, we'd almost see it as a bit harsh. Mm. You know, he says, "Get behind me, Satan." It's shocking and language, isn't it? Very harsh language, you know. And it's it's kind of like God Almighty, where are we going here? You know, and. It reminds us that if, you know, it brings back that line, if you're not for me, you're against me. So if we're not working towards God's will, towards God's desire in our lives for us to be loving Christians, we are working against his will for us. And in a sense, we are, we are going against him, so we're going the way of, as, he's, as it's put, the way of Satan. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, but going back to what I was saying about in terms of leadership and roles and understanding our, our role, our, our, the way we live our lives, are there times where, you know, we haven't tried to understand what it means to, you know, to follow the will of God? Because ultimately, that's what Peter was saying to Jesus. You know, Christ had come to, Jesus come to his own understanding of what it was he was facing in Jerusalem. He was moving towards Jerusalem. He was moving towards Calvary. He was going up towards the city. He was going to kind of challenge the leadership, the Jewish leadership as it was, and that was his understanding of what he had to do. Mm-hmm. And Peter was there saying, no, what are you doing? This is madness. This is not the way to do it. And, you know, Christ was saying, hang on, who are you, kind of a human individual, to tell, you know, to say, this is not, this is not the, you know, the will of God. Yeah. You are going against, you know, God's understanding of the role that, that lies ahead for me. Mm-hmm. I suppose that was kind of, I suppose, the first thing that kind of came out, I suppose, from from, from this week's gospel. From reflecting on it. Thank you, Shane. What about you, Father Michal? Any thoughts on... Well, thinking about this in the context of where where I was last Sunday mm-hmm. with over a million and a half young people in Madrid with the Pope's Mass and having spent the night out in the open with them, um, I couldn't help but feel that here is... Human beings are behaving differently to what... We see on television about young people rioting and all of this. And in the second reading, we have the the words of St. Paul to the Romans. Do not model yourselves on the behavior of the world around you, but let your behavior change, modeled by your new mind. This is the only way to discover the will of God and know what is good, what it is that God wants. And I think... Jesus was conscious of what his father wants. Mm -hmm. And I love that phrase that's in the Eucharistic Congress prayer for next year. God is planned to gather his scattered children. And God's way of doing that involved Jesus 
accepting the cross and giving his body and blood literally on the cross for us. And those closest to Jesus were called to be with him. This is the path, this is what they're asked to follow. So therefore, the cross is absolutely central to the, the bursting in of God's way, God's kingdom into our lives. And no matter how beautiful the result is, when human beings be- begin behaving in a new way, with a new mind, and new possibilities of their human nature being revealed, we must always remember that the way this has come into our world, this newness, has come through what we remember every Eucharist, the thanksgiving, self-giving of Christ, and that we are, who are called to be part of Jesus are called to be part, yes, of bringing about this glorious gathering of God's children, but also of this, self, this thanksgiving and self-giving that we celebrate in the Mass every Sunday. Beautiful, Father Michal. What about you, John? Just a quick short one. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that got me there this week, and I know Father uh, Frank often mentioned it to us on lecture, was maybe the gospel might be speaking to you. And the word that spoke to me um, was renounce, was let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I was thinking of those people, and there's a lot of people out there these days who are suffering. They're under pressure because they haven't got work, or they're suffering because of sickness, or disasters, or loneliness, depression, whatever. And I think, well, what he was saying to me was that I have to think less of myself and more of these people. And for some reason, the image come to me like this. It was a kind of an orchestra. That if some part of the orchestra isn't functioning right, then the whole bit of music doesn't work right. And the image that I got was that we're all part of that orchestra. Jesus gave us all some talents and some gifts to use. And we should allow everybody to use that gift. But the conductor of the orchestra is Jesus. And this is what this is telling me this week, that take up your cross and come and follow me. So follow the leader of the orchestra. And I know it's quick, but I know we've got this time. <laughs> okay, John, you're going to introduce a little piece of music before we go to our next break. Okay, the bit of music I picked, actually, is because of the gospel. I thought what would be appropriate would be uh, one, again, by my, John Michael Talbot uh, from his album, The Master Collection, and it's entitled My Yoke is Easy.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Again, joining me this morning are John Keeley, Father Michal Liston and Shane Ambrose. And I believe, Shane, you're going to lead us through our celestial guides very quickly this week. Um, do we have many saints? We have a, f- we have a few. Um, actually, this week was kind of hard just to pick out a few, Lorraine. Uh, oh. Just taking one day alone, September, Saturday the 3rd of September, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was looking up my various calendars and stuff, there were 64 different saints. Oh, my gosh. You know, so in case of, we had to pick one or two just to get it through, right? Sure. <laughs> 29th of August is the beheading of St. John the Baptist. Okay. The 30th of August is the Feast of St. Fiacra. Mm-hmm. Uh, patron saint against barrenness, fistulas, hemorrhoids, sterility, cost, uh, florist, gardeners, and taxi drivers. Great, man. Uh, St. Aidan is the bishop and missionary, and he's, of course, mostly associated with the Holy Isle of Lindisfarne in, uh, I think it's Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Uh, and then uh, we move into September. Mm-hmm. Now, September actually was kind of, the first of September was kind of a hard day to find someone. Uh, I ended up with Joshua the Patriarch, the oh. guy who succeeded, the successor of Moses as leader of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Because in the calendar, we do actually commemorate uh, the uh, patriarchs of the, of the Old Testament. Excellent. The 2nd of September is St. Agric- Ag- uh, Agricola of Avignon. And then the 3rd of, September, 3rd of September, the saint I picked out of the 64, was St. Gregory the Great, Pope and Doctor of the Church. Any particular reason? saint against uh, plague, gout. He's a patron saint of choir boys and educators of popes, singers and schoolchildren. Ah, well, 
We had to pick him then for the 3rd of September. Exactly. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry. I didn't think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing actually, up school very early. Yes, he's actually patron saint of students and teachers as well. Ah, good. So we'll be so keeping our students and teachers in mind. Yeah, very much so. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Thank you so much to John and Father Michal and Shane for joining me this morning. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Yes, great. And thank you too. And we're going to finish with a piece of music called This Day God Gives Me, and it's by Langelus. This day God gives me strength of high heaven, sun and moon shining flame in my heart, flashing of lightning, wind in its swiftness, deeps of the ocean, firmness of earth. This day God sends me. Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.